that one, Christy. Um, I know that she is on her way back at the moment, so make sure you keep her in your prayers. And I would like to welcome you all tonight to the service as well. Extend my welcome. My name is Toby, and I'm going to be bringing the word to you tonight. Thank you so much. Have you ever had a promise from God? Have you ever had a promise from God that you have received or you're yet to receive? This series that we're currently in is called Rejoices, and we're leading into Christmas. December is like two weeks away, a week away, sometime in the future, short term. And as I wrap up our series, we have looked at the ways that we can rejoice in God because He is a way maker by opening up doors that may have seemed closed, how He's a miracle worker where He talked and had 10 people come up to Him and He healed them and then one stayed behind and they got a second miracle and they got to turn to repentance and got to spend eternity with Him. And tonight I want to talk to you about how God is our promise keeper. Tonight, I'm going to be sharing a few different stories from the Bible, with one of them being part of Jesus' story of his birth, which we celebrate over Christmas, and it is the fulfillment of God's promise in his word to bring about the Messiah, to bring about the King and the Saviour of the world. This promise spans across the Old Testament and the New Testament, and from stories leading up to Jesus, to the stories of Jesus, and to the stories of Jesus' impact to those after him. But before I dig into the word tonight, I would like to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to bring your word. And I just pray, Lord, that we can learn and grow and understand that you are our promise keeper and that we get to hold on to that deeply, knowing that your promises are true and that you are faithful to see them through and that we get to worship and work with you, Lord, through and in them. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, as I've said, God has fulfilled the promises in the Bible, and these include the covenants that are within the Bible, which means, now I'll get this right here, which means, meaning a binding agreement or a legal contract. And these were to Old Testament people, including Noah, where he promised never to flood the earth again, where he promised to Moses, who I'll get to a bit later, where he was going to free the Israelites and to create the nation of Israel out under, without being under Egyptian rule, as well as David for his king and his throne to go forever and ever. And one of the most famous ones, the promise and the covenant to Abraham, where God promised to have, for him to have children and for them to become a great nation. And this is where I want to pick up first. It says in Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. Then I will make my covenant or promise between me and you, and you will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you father of many nations. I will make you fruitful. I will make an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants forever and ever in the generations to come, to be your God and the God of the generations and descendants after you. 
the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and the descendants after you, and I will be their God. God promised Abraham to be a great nation. This is an amazing promise. But there was a few things that may have seemed a little bit out of place. One, Abraham didn't have any kids. To make a great nation, there should be some descendants after you, and he didn't have any. Two, Abraham and his wife were quite old. Now, to be able to do all of this descendant-making and create the opportunity, there needs to be time to do that. And three, he had been waiting and hoping for kids, and it wasn't something that he had seen. In the next chapter, we read, Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Anything, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she laughed, or so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. God here shares with Sarah that she will have a child, but it seems so unbelievable to her that she laughed. She couldn't comprehend this promise to God to have a kid that she thought it was funny. And sometimes these promises from God that we can get are not what we expect, don't seem to be the right timing, and don't seem to be the kind of things that make sense in our current circumstance and situation. So they might be seen as funny. But as we can read, they always continue and come through. A couple chapters later on, it says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age and at the very time God had promised him. We can see that this promise came a couple of chapters later. God fulfilled what he said he was going to do to Sarah, to give her a son. And it says in the lines of, as he had said, he gave the child to Sarah as he had promised. We can see that God was faithful to fulfilling this promise to her. And this promise of a child was not just for her and for Abraham to have a child, but it allowed access for this larger promise that God gave to Abraham to make a great nation to occur. Moving down the line in the Bible a little bit more, after about 500 years, Abraham and his family and descendants did grow. They grew to become quite a large nation and they moved to Egypt where they became a large nation that the Egyptians got a bit afraid of them. So then the Egyptians thought to rule over them and make them their slaves. And God saw this happening, but God then brings along Moses to make another great promise to. This promise takes place in Exodus 6, and it's after Moses had grown up in the house of Moses. It's after he was in the basket on the Nile. It's after Moses saw the injustice of what the, what the Egyptian guards were doing to the Israelites. He tried to fix it in his own way didn't really go to plan. He then fled and hid in the desert. Then God found him there, spoke to him in the burning bush. And after a while, Moses came back. And we pick up in Exodus 6 with the Lord saying, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord 
and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land I swore to you with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. This is the moment where God took charge, took place, and took lead over Moses. God had a plan in mind and wanted to use Moses to help fulfill his mission. God kept his promise by delivering the Israelites. He made ways of mighty acts by showing Pharaoh these signs with the staff and with the blood in the Nile and with the ten plagues happening. He continually showed up for Moses being strong, giving him strength, giving him courage, helping him through with tiredness. And he made a way for the Israelites to be freed by going out and spreading the waters in the Red Sea and then leading them into the desert with a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the day to lead his people. By the time Moses passed away, God had saved his people and they were on the cusp of entering the promised land that God had prepared for them. But God continued to fulfill this promise throughout the Old Testament and where we end up at the end of Deuteronomy is the rest of the story of the nation of Israel and them being fulfilling the promise that God had for them. So we know that God promised Abraham to have a child, not just so his family would have a kid, but so that there was an opportunity to have this great nation that God promised. God promised Moses to deliver his people, not just because he had love and mercy on the Israelites, but because he wanted them to be a free nation, to spend time with him, to be in community with him, and to have an ever-growing relationship with him too. Then there were the time of the prophets and the kings, and they shared their different parts for who this Messiah would be, who would come and save the Israelites once and for all. And I want to get back to that in a little bit. But to be a bit of a spoiler alert, that would be Jesus. And I want to move into the time of Jesus. And as we move into Christmas, the most poetic time for this would be to talk about the birth story. And I want to pick up with Mary's promise that she received from God for Mary to, be, to bear the Messiah who will bring about salvation of the world. He is the one that will allow his people to be saved and to be in righteousness with him. He's also the one that allowed God's people to hear from him and to have a personal access to God, not having to go to the high priest. God's personal promise to Mary to bear a child wasn't just for her to have a kid, but to allow the, the saviour of the world to come. In Luke 1, it says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of greeting might this be? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour in God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? 
Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She, who was said to be unable to conceive, is within her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is a seriously wild scene. Come along with me for a moment. Mary, a teenager, first of all, seeing an angel of God being told, do not be afraid, which would be fairly daunting to see an angel. Being told that you're going to give birth as a virgin from the Holy Spirit. But not just that, he's going to be the saviour of the world. That's, yeah, no pressure, right? That's, that is quite the daunting scene. And then she's like, oh, I don't know. And then he's like, you're highly favoured by God. And then she keeps understanding it, understands the process. And then she just is like cool with it because, you know, we can read that she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So this is like a crazy, like, moment. Her promise from God was huge. But in that moment, she knew who she was, that she was a servant of God, and that this promise of a child was not just to bless her, but to bless the whole entire world. We read later on that Mary treasured up these words that the angel said to her and the other things that God spoke to her about, and that she was found rejoicing, singing songs to God, praising Him for the blessings and things that she had heard. So this sets up our Christmas scene. But we know that we don't just worship this baby Jesus, but we know that he grew up and became our saviour, fulfilling God's ultimate promise to reconnect his people to us. Now, as I said, this story isn't just significant for us or for Mary to be born, to have Jesus being born. But as I mentioned before, that there were the prophets that spoke about God's promises that would be fulfilled in the Messiah. In Isaiah, one of the major prophets, he wrote, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Emmanuel. We just read that. But that takes place 500 years before this promise that God gave to Isaiah, that Emmanuel, the Messiah, will be born to a virgin, was fulfilled in Mary. That's a promise fulfilled there. Later on in Isaiah... It says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, a familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep who have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of all. Now I know this verse isn't generally used around Christmas time 
I'm sure, like myself, you guys are more used to hearing it around Easter time, when we get to celebrate Jesus' death and ultimate resurrection, defeating death and sin. But come up this Christmas time with us, we get to celebrate and remember that Jesus was born, but that he didn't just stay this little baby in a manger, he got to grow up and became our saviour. And this was another promise that was fulfilled through God. In the next book over, in another major prophet, in Jeremiah, it says, this is my covenant, my promise, I will make with all the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their sins and I will remember their, I'll forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has put the law in our hearts and our minds through the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, some of Jesus' final words were to say, I give you the Holy Spirit. And those final lines, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more, was fulfilled through Jesus, fulfilling another promise. So then, having this knowledge that God is our promise keeper and Jesus has fulfilled it, is that it? Or is there something more deeper that we can learn and grow? Understanding that God is our fulfillment, that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to the Old Testament promises, shows that one of God's greatest characteristics is that he is a promise keeper, to be a man of his word and to see his people through to their promises. In Hebrews 11, it talks about many of these old characters of the Bible. It talks about Abraham, David, Isaac, Jacob, Noah. And it talks about how none of them were able to get to their end point. But in verse 39, it says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. Since God has planned something better for us, so that together with us, we could be made perfect. We get the opportunity to see God's fulfilled promises, both in our life and in the world around us. On a more personal note, next week, we will be celebrating our church's 20 years in this building you will hear a story from one of our previous senior ministers, Craig Spalding, who shared with the church when we were in a different place about how this building was a promise from God that he had heard in his life. He compared the promise that God said to him to that of the Israelites to find a place to do life with God. There were challenges along the way, both for the Israelites and for the church at the time 20 years ago to get this building. But here we are standing 20 years later, sitting in the, standing and sitting in the fruit of a promise from God. I had the opportunity this morning to hang out with a few of the guys in HDK, in our kids' church, getting to share a part of this message. And at the end, I sat in a group with a bunch of the guys and I was asking them, have you had a promise from God? Have you fulfilled that promise? And it was awesome hearing the stories from some of these young guys about how things that happened in their life or that they weren't able to do something at the start of the year and then they prayed to God and then they heard that he was able 
that he was like, you're not going to be upset anymore. And then they got to do the thing, and that was a promise that they had heard. Online, if there's anything that you have heard from God, why don't you write it in the chat, one of the promises. And tonight, I want us to spend some time in hangs, maybe afterwards, when you head home or throughout the week, thinking about promises that you've heard from God and think about the ones that have been fulfilled and rejoicing for that and then the ones that haven't been fulfilled and spend time with Him in that. Sorry, just losing my spot. All right. I want to invite the band up. They are able to come up. That means that we're almost at the end if you are bored. But there are some promises that still have not been fulfilled in the Bible as well, such as Jesus' second coming. And we read in Matthew 24, then will appear the sign of man, the son of man in heaven. And then all the people on earth will mourn when they see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds and from one end of the heavens to the other. This promise is still yet to come, but we get to live in the hope and excitement for Christ's return. We can celebrate because Jesus was born and he lived a life and he changed the world radically in the years of ministry and then he changed the world with his death and resurrection. But we can also be preparing and be excited for this fulfillment of the promise too. And another promise from God that is yet to happen is the new heaven and new earth. In Revelations 21, it says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. This is a promise to be worth rejoicing for, that we get to see that fulfilled, that there will be no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, that this is a promise. We know God's characteristics is to be a promise keeper and that we will get to live with Him in eternity without any of these. This is a promise that we get to know that will be fulfilled. God is our promise keeper. So this allows us to rejoice for many reasons. God has promised many things to each and every one of us individually in His Word including he promises to never leave us nor forsake us. He promises to pray on our behalf. He promises to give us rest when we're in need. He promises to strengthen us and to support us. Now, these are just a few examples in Scripture for what he has for us individually. But with these little ones of just these little Scriptures and the stories that I've shared, that these are not just for us to hold on to personally and be like, mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for me. But it comes with a greater calling, like we saw with Abraham. He got a child and he was praising God for that, for that allowed the nations of Israel to occur. We can see with Moses, with the Israelites, that he was the promised to be able to speak and to be freed and to show strength, and that allowed for Israel to become their nation. Mary also got to have a child, but it wasn't just for her, but it was so that the Saviour of the world could come. So I want to ask you, with these promises that God has for each and every one of us, what can we do to be like Mary, to come alongside and say, I am your servant, Lord. May your word be fulfilled through me. This Christmas, 
remember that God has given us Jesus and we can rejoice because of that, of what he has done for each and every one of us. And if you don't know exactly everything that he has done, why don't you come up to me or one of our other team members tonight and we would love to help you explore that. But God has promised us many things in his word, but he also invites us to follow along and walk along with him, rejoicing along the way, living in the fulfillment of his son. Thank you.